0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Slapcast. This is episode five of our coverage of the 2022-23 season. I'm your host, Gage, as usual, and if you're watching on YouTube, you will have just seen our newly completed intro animation, so we hope you enjoyed that one, and uh, I'm sure you're all on the edge of your seats for this one. I do have some alliterative analysis for you. Liverpool have leapt into nailing nine, Arsenal are assembling an argument for ambition, Spurs are slowly starting to synthesize something special, but Lester are languishing lamentably in the lower levels. So there's wow. your, your free pass for tonight on that one. I'll be here all week. Uh, I'm joined once again tonight by the full contingent. I'll switch it up tonight and start with Ethan. Hello, Ethan.
1: Hello, Gage. That was another good piece of alliteration there.
0: You know how it is. Got to stay consistent. Reese is here too. Hello, Reese. Hello.
2: I'm happy I can make it. I had a night class uh, run a little late, but we're yeah, I was just going to say,
0: today. I was just going to say special thanks to you guys for uh, being here because school started for you guys today. So, and Josh is here as well. How are you, Josh?
3: Good. How are you?
0: I am anxiously awaiting the question of the day, man. That's are how you? I am. Yeah. Oh, Do you forget it again? No,
3: I actually know it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so.
0: We are, I recently
3: turned 21, and I was the last one of us to turn 21. So the question of the day is, what are the boys' drink of choice?
2: Okay, uh, I'm a beer guy. Uh, the selection of beer is changing constantly. I think right now I'm on a Shiner kick, uh, but I was on a Modelo kick for a while. Modelo uh...
3: always goes hard, and then Shiner. They're both. Those are both like old reliable.
2: Yeah. When I first turned 21, I really liked sweet drinks, but now, now that I'm acclimated to beer, it's actually harder. It's like hard for me to go back and drink something sweet. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I'll say Shiner right now.
0: Well, I'm also a beer guy. My current beer of choice is Dos Equis. I think it's been, it's been my number one beer of choice for a while now. Uh, I just think it's the best one that you can get cheap. Uh, in my opinion, anyway, I don't, I don't love dark beer as much. So I don't, Shiner's a little on the darker side for me. I do like it, but I think, you know, Dosecki's is just closer to what I like a little bit better. So.
1: Yeah, I don't drink too much, but when I do, I mostly prefer sweet stuff. I've tried beer. I've tried, you know, whiskey, all that stuff. I'm just not a big fan, but I um, I do like sweet drinks, cocktails, vodka, all that kind of stuff
0: i do like whiskey but i'm in college so i can't afford the good
1: stuff <laughs> <laughs> very true
0: ethan what's your favorite sweet drink
1: um you know this is kind of a cop-out just because you know there's not much alcohol in it but i like seagrams a lot seagram's yeah. are crazy
3: they're good yeah it is just kool-aid with a little bit of alcohol but like yeah. like that's the best just part about bit.
1: it yeah it's nice <laughs> to
0: just sip on you know
1: yeah but um i've had that jack daniels has these like country cocktails that are really good um I kind of have to stay away from them a little bit now, but uh, <laughs> but I do like them. The cherry limeade <laughs> ones are really good. Yeah. So
3: I'm a bit of everything kind of guy. So Modelo is always like a good fallback too. I do like dark beers, So like a Modelo Negro goes extremely hard. Um, so, but right now, like I've got a couple bottles of wine that I've been enjoying, like a Pinot Gringo. I don't know how to say it the right way. So say yeah, they can say it for me. It's fine. Uh, that was really good. He's <laughs> my you know, gringo. <laughs> I can tell you that. <laughs> hey, I'm new to this. I've only been drinking for three weeks. So Yeah, uh, sure. <laughs> um, so those have been good. I have a Merlot that's really good. Um, I have a bunch of Bush in the fridge. It's okay but uh it's cheap yeah it's cheap it was like a 12 back for like 10 bucks i was like okay, yeah we'll try it it's nascar the beer of nascar so that's always a plus um but yeah i like dark beer dark beer is one of my favorites so you like sam adams i love sam adams they yeah. have a pump i don't know if they, i haven't paid enough attention in the beer aisle when i went grocery shopping this week If it was, if they have a different Oktoberfest and a different pumpkin ale one, because I'm a basic, they're different? They are different, yeah. Okay, because I'm a, I'm a, this is going to be news to everybody. I'm a pumpkin spice basic bitch. Like pumpkin spice season is upon us and I am excited. It's going to be a good one. And I'm excited.
0: The Oktoberfest showing. is actually... Yeah. <laughs> I think the Oktoberfest is actually darker than normal, Sam Adams, so you might want to check that one out. Okay. Oh, Euling
3: Lager. Have you all ever had that? Uh, No. It's really good. So it's in, made in Fort Worth. It's one of... at oh, nice. the It's the bush plant, and Fort Worth makes it. And it's really good. And they... Yeah, that one's... That one's really good. I had that this weekend. I... Went over to a friend's house. We had a couple beers and watched some baseball on Friday night. But nice you and they have an October fest. I kind of want to try. So it's a it, the fall is coming. It's football season and it's going to be good. That means fall. it's beer
0: drinking season, baby. I mean,
3: it's beer drinking, football watching, and pumpkin spice latte. I'll
0: agree with you on the
3: well, the second <laughs> one. Out of I would all imagine those. that that's like a shock to most people not probably not the listeners exclusively but all the people who like know us that that is probably a shock to most of them
0: <laughs> i'm not surprised really just more disappointed than anything else to be honest yeah
4: <laughs> if it helps um, I was expecting
0: I drink... a bit more personality from you josh
3: well i drink just straight black coffee most of the year because if it's not burnt like you can get some good flavor notes from like different kinds of coffee and different yeah blends. i agree but when it's burned it's awful and that's why starbucks sucks and a pumpkin spice latte is reliable because it saves it that's that's fair but i just don't go to starbucks i don't either like it's the bane of my existence i hate that place
2: yeah we want some more comments so maybe maybe comment what your drink choice is Yeah.
0: yeah give us some suggestions we're all relatively new to the world of alcohol so give us your best suggestions
1: I will say I'm trying to get more into seltzers just because I know they're a little bit better for you if you're gonna drink you know there's like no yeah less sugar carbs in. so I tried these new white claws and I thought they were okay but still just trying I to like find one
3: the uh, Olivia uh, that's my fiance's name she's a big fan of the um she's a big truly her family's her and her sister are big truly people
1: I did ask her about that she said it was good
3: the original flavors are good. Some of their like, um, like spinoff ones aren't as good, like, but they're like, like normal flavors like, like orange and that kind of stuff is usually pretty reliable. Yeah,
0: I will say I have a suggestion for everyone. I just had these for the first time last weekend because they're pretty new. The Bud Light Hard Colas. Those these things good. are Those so are good. It's basically Those just soda really with good. alcohol. Because they have regular soda flavors. So there's like classic cola, cherry cola, lemon lime, which is like Sprite. And then there's orange, which is basically just orange Fanta. Sounds but they right. have alcohol. They're, they're really good. And I don't usually like sweeter drinks, I, but they're
3: good. I had those in the summer and those were good. See, like I don't like the sweeter. I don't seek out the sweeter drinks, but they are good. I'm, like, in the mindset, I think, Agent and Reese agree with me on this. If you're going to drink, like, at least drink something, like, a little bit unique into it. Because, like, otherwise I'd just have, like, a Coke or, like, a fancy lemonade. At least that's my viewpoint on it. Now, I know, like, the taste, like, it's not for everybody, which I understand. But that's at least my thought process on it. That's fair.
0: Yeah, I get you. Well, Josh, you did say it was football-watching season. I know you meant the other kind of football, but I'll segue that into – Our kind of football that we talk about here on Slapcast. Mm -hmm. How about that? It's like five minutes delayed, but it'll work. So (laughs) we do. Sorry, I I was was
3: going
0: to say. say... I was going to say that is like a
3: me level transition. Oh, no. no. Five minutes ago.
0: Yours are just completely shoehorned out of nowhere, buddy. But they work to break it to you. Well, they work because I talk them through and work. I think you just talk and that's how that works. <laughs> hey, it gets us from point A to point B. I suppose it does by bulldozing everything in between. That's you my take style. the, you take the straight line approach too seriously. So <laughs> anyway, yeah, I was just going to mention quickly. We do, if you've been around long enough, you may know that we do occasionally put out a special, which has not happened in a while, actually, probably since between season two and three, I think was the last time we released a special. There is going to be one this week, and it's a good one. So I think you guys are going to enjoy it. Keep your eyes peeled. Should be releasing sometime Thursday afternoon, U.S. time. So that'll be Thursday evening, European time, if you are listening from over there. Let's go on to the main course of the show here. I think this week, there are a couple standout results, but I think it makes the most sense this week to go chronologically, fellas. So let's start with the early game on Saturday, which my main point from writing down or my main point in my notes that I wrote down is that we might have overreacted a little bit about Man United. Uh,
2: Potentially, but okay. I want to bring this up. We have to talk about it at some point. The handball that wasn't called uh, where McTominay, uh, he like played volleyball. Yeah, literally. It was like (laughs) sliding it around like, doing basketball tricks over here like i going i don't really tires. know what was what was happening um i don't know do y'all have any insight on that or is it just one of those uh, it's a penalty you
0: know? for me yeah, i i just I, think they missed it i don't know yeah I that being said that though i do i do still think like i'm not going to say if southampton get and score that penalty that united are going to still win the game but i kind of do think that I think they were generally the better team. I think they played really well in build-up. Some of that combination play that we saw um, is continuing in good vein. So I think we might have possibly overreacted. Here's the thing: he's a Ten Hag is a very good coach, and he also has a huge set of balls because it takes it takes massive balls to leave Ronaldo and McGuire out for again. two games. And again, yeah, I realize it worked against Liverpool, but in the media shit show that is Man United, I think. Any type of decision like that is incredibly brave. Uh, the other
2: decision that seems to be paying off really well is uh, the return of Marcus Rashford as striker because I have been very impressed with him.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he he does really well at, at making runs in behind. I think that's always been one of his strengths. And having him do that centrally takes a lot of the emphasis away from the wide players, mm-hmm. which is actually how they created their goal uh, because you saw Ilonga and Dallow sort of swapping around two or three times and creating chaos in that wide area. And uh, the cross eventually gets delivered and Fernandez puts it away with a nice finish. So I think that's another example of 10 hog football is just that quick combination. Lots of sort of, I would say purposeful chaos from man United, you know, the, it, it creates chaos for the defenders, but from United's point of view, it's very, very purposeful, uh, which I think is something that is characteristic of a 10 hog side. So.
2: Yeah.
3: I think I don't know necessarily if we overreacted. I think they're still figuring out how to play under Ten Hag. I think the other, the
2: other thing no, they you definitely are. is that I think the reaction was warranted, but you know, the important thing is, is that, like you mentioned, Gage, changes were made like pretty quickly. Maguire and Ronaldo dropped and they're paying off. So, um, and that, that I mean, it had those things not happened. I think we might still be, um, down in the dumps about United, but um yeah they definitely turned things around. Also they do have uh new signings um arriving. Obviously yep. uh I don't believe Casemiro played in this game. I know he, he, he came on he came on with substitute. 10 minutes to go. Yeah. Uh, but you have to suspect he will begin starting games pretty soon. Um and Anthony from uh IX. Surprise uh, yep <laughs> is arriving for 100 million which is a little bit ridiculous i think but also it's you know i've talked about the 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 large club tax it's man united so they're going to be hard pressed to find a good deal anywhere because everyone knows they can just pinch money out of them as a club um 100 million seems a little excessive to me but um, well, i mean
1: when you look at it you think maybe they could have you know split that money and invested somewhere else in their team
2: yeah, yeah, I agree. It's also hard to ignore some of the statistics, such as um, comparing him to other players in similar roles that have joined the Premier League, like Sinistera um, actually outperformed him in terms of just pure goals and assists last season. And I believe his fee was around 30 mil, if I'm not mistaken, um, yeah. as opposed to 100 mil, um, you know, and. I personally, I don't know if winger is, is the position they really needed to strengthen. I don't think it's a bad signing or by any means, but you know, there's other areas I would have suspected you could spend hundred million smarter.
0: So one of his direct player comps on FBref is Jaden Sancho. So why are they spending hundred million on the same player that they bought last window? Yeah, uh, that's what I don't understand. Also, I think there is, I think the large club tax is absolutely real. I also think there's an additional tax for Man United because they are uniquely stupid. Yeah. And I mean that in all seriousness. Like the way that they run their club is uniquely idiotic. There's just a lot of poor decisions made. I think Ethan's 100% dead on with that. Not only could you have invested that money elsewhere across the squad, there are better players available for cheaper. (laughs) I realize I just said there's a Man United tax, but you can't tell me there weren't players out there that they could have gotten for a very similar role with similar output that don't cost a hundred million.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I think,
0: I think if you look at their two signings, like Casemiro was like
3: an amazing signing because he at least has like two to three years left in his prime. And if assuming he is a direct swap for McTominay, he allows Fred to move forward and actually yeah. get forward a little bit more, which is exactly what Fred needs. Cause Fred, I think fred is a good player when he has a solid like defensive midfielder to play with it hasn't happened a lot at united because they haven't had that because matt was only good for like a season season and a half when he was there when they were both there um and then they go back with a ridiculous signing
0: like it does it doesn't make a whole lot of sense they've needed a six for a long time and i oh, think they yeah. went they went and got one of the best ones in the world so that signing is is a good signing or a, a signing great signing been, in my opinion.
3: It would have been great two years ago to save Pogba's like legacy there. Yeah. I don't know if legacy
0: is the right word, or just like Pogba would have been a different beast if they'd had a real six. That's absolutely yeah. true.
3: Like they saw you saw it with Conte for in France for the last six years. Yeah. Like I don't I don't know. I think that's like United to have a stupid clause. Because they they do, they literally do.
2: It's funny to me that United, despite winning uh, their last two games, somehow have found a way to make us all uh, criticize them once again by (laughs) signing Anthony for 100
0: million. Yeah, Uh, I. They're unique. They're unique. (laughs) I I mean, it
2: could pay off, but who knows? Who knows at this point?
0: Players also have a hard time transitioning from Eredivisie, especially forward players. You know, I can think of several examples in recent years. Most notably from my own club, Steven Bergwijn, who just struggled to adapt. I think uh, you'll you'll see. I, I we'll we'll see. Maybe he's the exception that proves the rule, but generally, when Man United are concerned, I don't believe that to be the case. So, very interesting. Southampton, they just I think the biggest thing that they're lacking now is quality in the wide areas. I was looking into this and and I was engaging in a bit of dialogue with someone on Twitter about how they've had the same set of wingers for about five seasons. Now you think about the likes of Nathan Redmond, you think about Elianusi, uh Theo Walcott, who's been there, Stuart Armstrong, who really has not been producing in the last several seasons. They just need some kind of fresh start in the wide areas. I think there's just not a lot of quality left in that group. And I think that's one of the reasons that they struggle hugely. From a tactical perspective, they actually remind me a lot of Pochettino's structure, because, which is interesting because that's actually where he came from when he first joined Spurs was from Southampton. But the, the key thing that I noticed in this game is that in the early phases of buildup, uh, Romeo Lavia, who uh, I know Reese has been really impressed with in, in uh, recent games, actually drops between the center backs uh, to facilitate that early buildup. And then as it progresses, he kind of returns to his traditional role on the left side of the double pivot. But yeah, that, that is exactly what Eric Dyer used to do. Uh, for Spurs when Pochettino was there, so
2: yeah, I've never really felt they were lacking um, tactically. It's just they have not really brought in the players they needed to to you know finish where they want to be finishing or where I think they want to be finishing. Maybe they're just wanting to avoid relegation. And then you know, there's an argument to be made that they still didn't make the signings they needed to make. But yeah, um, yeah, it just seems like there's some kind of disconnect there between some part maybe it's the owners who are investing maybe it's um uh whoever's in charge of transfers whether it's um Hassan Hudl or a technical director I, I don't know how they're structured there but there seems to be some kind of disconnect
0: yeah and maybe it's just a matter of funds i know they went for a lot of the cheaper kind of younger more unproven academy route this this window so uh i was impressed by sekumara when he came on i think he's a good technician Uh, He had a couple of good strikes that on another day could have gone in. Um, So I was impressed by that. I think last time he, he, when he started the game, I wasn't impressed with him, but I think as an impact player so far, uh, he's not afraid to try things, which I think is really good for, for an impact player. (laughs) Excuse me. So, and then I did think it was funny that Lianco, a center back came on uh, in the forward areas at the end of the game, kind of just a very old school shithouse tactic, the Scott, (laughs) Dan, the legend of Scott, Dan, another day. (laughs)
1: I've gone through so much as a Palace fan. I know. know.
0: I know. So. (laughs) Okay. Unfortunately, now, Josh, I'm going to ask you to relive what happened to Leicester this weekend. Chelsea reduced to 10 men early in the game and Leicester still just looked like the far inferior side. I don't know if he looked inferior. I think.
3: I don't think we looked inferior at all okay. for the most part outside of like the 15 minutes where they scored their goal the two goals. I think there it didn't look like we had an extra man at all. And even going forward, we were create until the Gallagher red hard red card, we still had as many chances created that Chelsea did. Um I don't know what's going on with Ben Gallagher. He needs to go back to Palace. Like he's playing, he just looks he doesn't look like he has a head. To him yeah. at all right now, he's just yeah, throwing his I, body in the random challenge. I
2: commented on it last week and I was really hoping you I was did, wrong, but it seems like the trend is continuing. I don't know what it was because like Tyler
3: Adams just terrorized him. Like that one, I if like if you look at like the highlight, if I saw like a two minute video of Tyler Adams' highlights and it was just him terrorizing Brendan Gallagher yeah. for 90
0: minutes, Brendan Gallagher, Brendan Gallagher, Connor plays Gallagher, Montreal Canadiens. <laughs>
3: If you know hockey, you'll understand that one. Um, but and then, so he gets sent off, and then we look decent, and then Sterling, at the start, well, there was a penalty that got taken away because of an offside in the build-up play, and then Chelsea fans were like losing their minds. It was like, well, if he doesn't commit the foul and he scores, that goal is still coming back, so why should he get the chance in the... it, it Yeah, it was a one of those like, what are you fucking
0: yeah Chelsea fans? Yeah. <laughs>
1: Shout out Chelsea fans.
3: The first Sterling goal was just poor goalkeeping. Where like Sterling like has nowhere to go, just says, Screw it, I'm gonna go for a back corner chip, and then Ward like he just gets caught off his back foot and can't get to a, a pretty weak shot. And then Sterling scores his first goal for the club. And then shortly after you have um, another goal where Rhys James is overlapping, and Castagna is uh, marking Sterling at the back post, and gets a half step behind him. I don't know if he wasn't. Ex- it looked like he wasn't expecting Rhys James to do a first time cross, which doesn't make sense. Like he's an overlapping wing back. Like that should be what you're expecting. His like, job is to
0: deliver the cross,
3: and then he. Uh, it smashes it into the back of the neck because he's that foot away. And then we had a goal get disallowed, which was, I don't understand why it was disallowed. Like at first I was like, oh, that makes sense. And the more I watched it over and over again, it's so basically Mendy went out to get the ball. And I remember who it was, went up and challenged for the ball just because he has every right to that ball that Mendy does. And then they clash. Mendy falls on the ground because it makes sense. Like, if you have your arms out here, somebody smacks their head against your arm, like, you're probably going to end up on the ground. And then it gets smashed into the back of the net off a rebound. I don't know. That was just frustrating. And that was, like, one of those, like, inconsistencies across, like, all – I don't know if it is in the Premier League. I haven't seen enough of these incidents, like, in the past few years. Last year, with watching Mali against Syria, there were so many like inconsistencies of in the way that that play is called. Like, yeah, I mean, and that's just the
2: hardest thing to call, really. It's because the goalkeepers, for better or worse, you know, they do have specific protections set for them, right? Which I think in most cases are good, right? You don't want players to get injured, but in cases like this, you know, it's 50 50 challenge, both players have the right to it, right? Um, yeah, then it's it's difficult to call, and like we've seen it go either way in the prem. i can think back and it's slightly different but i can think back uh last season uh arsenal against man united i remember De Gea ended up on the ground um and we had to tap in and it ended up standing um and yeah, i think i, think it, I was the, mad about that i think the difference was that uh De Gea was actually taken out by his own player uh <laughs> um, oh yeah
0: i do actually remember that I but think...
2: you know it's just one of those things that's that's always been really tough to call in the premier league specifically
3: yeah, and I feel like the prem, like the goalie almost always has the right of way. It's the invincible the goal. goalie problem, yeah. But then like in La Liga, it's the opposite. Like in La Liga, it's like the goalie almost never had the right of way. Like I remember Cadiz last year against Majorca had two penalties in the exact same situation where they called fouls on the Cadiz goalkeeper. And they are not starting off off note, they are not starting the season off very well this. Neither of the teams I'm watching in Serie A and La Liga this year are doing great. So,
0: Who's your new Serie A team, by the way? Lecce. Lecce, that's right. Uh, really now like featuring Samuel Umtiti for some reason. Yeah. yeah, I wasn't sure if I was going to keep Paramount Plus, and I was
3: like, well, I'll watch the first leche game, and they did a, a promoted team. Is Serie A yeah. really
0: on Paramount Plus? Yeah. I'm so sorry.
3: Yeah, I wish I could watch it on the PS5. They really wish they had an app for it, but
0: I hate Paramount Plus, dude. I thought I, I thought Syria was on ESPN. It used to be, right?
3: Yeah, it was, and then when they got La Liga, they dropped Serie a. I think uh, they ran out of money to, for yeah. that. Anyway, but then we start like pushing forward and forward, and we created a, a massive amount of chances. We end up getting one back from Harvey Barnes. He does his normal cut in and score. It was just a lot of. A lot of, like, inch-close chances. Like, it really reminded me of that uh, – our quarterfinal – it's a long time ago, but our quarterfinal game against Atletico when we were 2-1 down and we just need one more to, like, go through. It was just a really frustrating game and just waiting and creating more chances than Chelsea did because we had more men. But, I don't know, we fought a little bit more, which I think that was one positive I took from it is, like, he did something to make them want to fight for a game and try to win. So I'm excited for the United game on Thursday, but also hesitant because I don't know how that's going to go. Really hope we don't get smashed, but we will see what happens.
2: Unfortunately, you're going to hear this question every week until I'll get a win. But at what point is Rogers gone? Cause you just have to think Look, I mean, it would be extremely harsh if this was the game. Right. Um, but you have to start thinking like, what's the line, right? Cause You're at the point now, and I've seen this before, you know, thinking back to Naeemri and thinking back to other managers for other clubs. It's like y'all are, it feels like y'all are in this rut now where even when you're playing well, things just don't go your way and you need something to change, right? Um, Yeah. When? I mean,
3: I think, well, I mean, I kind of talked about it last week. I think it's going to come, like, I think he'll probably be the first, if not the second. Uh, Looking at our next round of fixtures, it definitely won't be after thursday against united i think depending on how the brighton game next weekend or the villa game the week after goes
2: i think i after you said those fixtures i think villa is the one i
0: would probably nail down as the one i mean if you don't have a win by that point then some serious questions do need to be asked for sure so yeah because i think but, brighton are brighton are definitely beatable they're a good team but they're definitely beatable i think especially for someone like lester with the individual quality you have uh yeah. and then villa are horrible right now so yeah they're just as bad as we are um so
3: yeah i think it was it was a positive performance i don't think it was amazing but i think it was we take stuff from this and work with it
2: i have just a kind to, of oh, sorry i I wanted to to drop a note on chelsea real quick (laughs) (laughs) twice now i know we're all over each other uh i wanted to (laughs) i wanted to drop a note on chelsea real quick um because just just some very short tactical analysis right for as long as i can remember you know they've been the three at the back wing back system and primarily that's how they progress the balls through the wing backs um for the, I don't know how many games in a row, but I feel like at least one of their wingbacks has registered a goal or an assist in every game so far. Uh, and I could be making that up, but that's what it feels like to me. Um, but in this game, both wingbacks uh, registered an assist, which mm-hmm. I, I just thought was interesting. It shows the, the tactics are working the way they want them to.
0: You are right, yeah. except for, uh, well, actually, no, you're wrong. Because the, the Everson game, the only goal they scored was a penalty and they didn't score against Leeds. So in the games that they have scored goals from open play, you are right. Uh, What I was going to ask Josh is a pretty minute question, but Danny Ward, I know that recency bias is not going to be kind to him on this particular point, but I don't think he's been very good. I don't know what, what are you, are you happy with him to be the number one this season? Or do you want Lester to take the probably Fafana money and spend that on a goalkeeper or some of it? I think we should probably
3: spend some of it. The issue is I think it's going to happen on, thursday i don't think we're gonna have enough time to get or wednesday night
0: um the deadline is actually on thursday which is weird but oh it is on thursday it's on september 1st yeah okay i don't know stupid. um yeah. i think i think we just say
3: fuck it throw one of the other two youngsters in and see what happens
2: well you I did mean, just re- sign a keeper right or no
0: Yes, I don't remember who. Alex like, Smithies, but I think he's I don't know definitely he a backup a starter. Yeah. No, no, he's definitely yeah. a backup. He's like 32, and oh. championship quality for sure. Has never played a Premier League game before. Yeah, so I think yeah, I think that's a I, homegrown
3: one. Yeah, I think we just say screw it, throw the other Danish guy Iverson in there, see what happens.
0: I actually thought he. I heard some whisperings on Twitter that he actually might be the preferred option to Ward because he was very good in his loan spell, I believe for Portsmouth, right in saying he was on loan somewhere in league one and was really good. Hold on. I'm going to look quickly. But the other thing I should mention is this game is quickly going to turn into the uh, Preston. Sorry, not Portsmouth, Preston. Uh, this game is quickly going to turn into the Wesley Fafana derby because as we just kind of mentioned curse cursorily, is that a word? We gave a cursory mention to that transfer. I mean, we've had a while to come to terms with it, but if I were you, Josh, I would also be clamoring for another center back signing as well. Oh yeah, because we we need a lot. I just don't think there's going to be enough time to get the deals done.
3: Yeah, we need. I think I think if we get that one done and the Tillman's one done, I think that'll probably be at least ninety million, probably closer to the hundred side um on both that we can spend in the winter. I think if yeah. I think if we get them both done we will have the biggest winter window in the prem.
2: I agree. I mean I think you know it would it would be really insane if y'all did not have some kind of action in the winter, right? But yeah I uh, you know I I'd be really happy with these signs uh when they go through right I mean it's just too much money to turn down at this yeah. point.
3: I think yeah and We'll see. so does look decent. Mart- Martinelli kind of tore him apart. I think he also got no help from the right uh, wing back in that game. So, like, yes, but also no, because he got no help from. No. Full I definitely think the he's it. a
2: good player. Right? It'll be. He he will be a player that is missed and it, like it will be felt up until January when you I presumably mean, sign we, somebody. But it's like, not really because he
0: didn't play a damn game last season. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true. We but, fucking felt
3: it the entire last season, like we did yeah. the
2: last three. But you know, like as good as I think he is, do I think he is the most expensive defender in the world? Which I don't think technically is the case, but I think after add-ons, it might be. Um, no, uh, I would also say that about McGuire, but you know, I think here we are.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, all right, Josh, any final thoughts? Nope. Okay. (laughs) I couldn't tell if that was, I didn't know what that head motion was. So, okay. Let's talk about the record equaling absolute smash fest that Liverpool put on Bournemouth. So Bournemouth are now minus 14 after four games. They're only being propped up by their smash-and-grab win against Villa on opening day. Yes. They have had really hard fixtures. They played Arsenal, Liverpool, and City. But 9-0. And they didn't – at least when Southampton lost 9-0, they were down to 10 men. And then the next one, they were down to 9. Bournemouth had all 11 players on the pitch. And, like, at least three of the goals were from set pieces. Yes. So – I don't know, man. Uh, They they're going to finish bottom.
1: Yeah. This this just goes back to what I said about uh, their game against Arsenal. They just don't have quality, and it doesn't matter if I mean, obviously they've had these hard games, but I feel like when they do go up against teams that are maybe around them, they're going to get smashed too.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've we've talked, we've kind of poked fun at Forest for signing 17 players, but at least they're doing anything, right? Bournemouth has practically signed nobody because the people they've signed have been extremely not well-known, not really proven in this context. Right. And they're just not, they have not made any kind of investment to actually stay up. It's more like they're just trying to collect some money from this season and then, and then potentially be a slingshot club.
0: Yeah. So I just checked their next two fixtures are against a winless wolves who can't buy a win right now. Uh, and Forest. So if ever they're gonna show any inkling of any type of quality or guts or anything, now's the time to do it. I realize their confidence and morale has just gotten fired into the stratosphere by this game. But I think I think honestly, losing it's it's so many goals that it's almost just something that you have to completely ignore. It's one of yeah. these score lines that's so anomalous that you Almost just pretend it didn't happen. I mean, look, Hosenhutel, it happened twice and he still hasn't gotten sacked, you know? So I think from their perspective, you just pretend it doesn't, it didn't happen and move on. But from the rest of the league's perspective, you have to look at how bare bones their squad is and say they're in trouble. Yeah. So
2: it'll be very interesting to see if this game will actually have some kind of pickup effect for Liverpool. Or if it will be kind of the same scenario where, you know, they scored nine goals, you know, did we actually, you know, play well in this game or uh, was Bournemouth just that bad, right? So it, it'll, we'll see in the next game whether or not Liverpool are actually, you know, looking like they've improved since uh, their run of poor performances.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's a freak result for them too, right? So yeah. it's, you know, so their Man. next game is against Newcastle.
1: Funny enough, with nine goals, Salah was not involved in any of them. It's not,
0: I'm not laughing. I'm not laughing either. My FPL team is not laughing. <laughs> my
1: FPL
2: and draft team are not laughing, man. Yeah,
0: might the
3: yeah. one if Darwin freaking Nunez wasn't an idiot, I probably would have got some good points out of this game.
0: Oh, you yeah. say that, but I had Salah captain and got six points. Yeah. So same. <laughs> yeah which is really annoying did, because did Holland see, scored a hat trick and I didn't have him captained. Nope. Sorry, neither. Ethan.
3: Did y'all see the guy who had Firmino captain? Like no, 100... yeah, triple captain. In our league.
0: Yeah. In the cast league. league, he had him triple yeah. captain, And he has like 120 points or something like that. Yeah, I saw one screenshot. The dude had like hundred. Shout out to that guy. Valentin Mitev, I think, is the guy that had him. Shout out. Speaking of like other. Comment if you're listening, let us know other like crazy like betting things this weekend this
3: is a little off topic but the nascar race this weekend was like this is actually insane it was like so it's supposed to happen saturday night it hold on hold on it got rained out to like the next morning and then there were like 13 and like 39 cars finished and the dude bet a four part part parlay on it and had the four least likely drivers to finish in the top 10 spent 13 bucks FanDuel covered his parlay deposit and he made like $999,000
0: yeah yeah that is crazy especially so that it was four a free people bet. won Premier League pick him this weekend imagine winning Whoa. winning the 50 grand and having three other people win it at the same I'd time.
2: be so mad it's like no one ever wins it and then four people win it at the same time do yeah. they all get 50 or do they, no, they split, split it. it? Yeah, it sucks. That's what I thought. Actually, That's I funny. wouldn't be mad because it's still a lot of money. I mean, you don't have to pay anything. I'd be anything slightly peeved. Yeah. I mean, well, you well,
3: lose, like, how much does the, that go down to? Uh,
0: 12, like 50, 5. yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's like a lot of money. Taxes. I was going to say that the problem with both of these things is half, like more than half your money is going to get blasted into outer space because the tax rate on – like, gambling is, like, 70% or something absurd like that. I so, mean,
3: even, like, even the dude, who, the fucking NASCAR dude still so gets, like, $300,000.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's, like, life-changing amount of money to get it, like, right away. But still, I mean, compared to the actual gross amount, it's, like, come on, man. Like, I just lost so much money because the IRS showed up at my doorstep. But, <laughs> yeah. Anyway,
1: going back to the game, I this has just been the whole season so far. I've been really impressed with Harvey Elliott. I, know, I think he responded yep. well yeah. after his big injury. He got a goal this game.
0: A great goal as well. Great goal. Yeah. He, yeah, he's he a tiny looks player. Better he, really... than he
2: was than like pre-injury, I would say.
0: Also worth noting Carvalho. Fabio Carvalho got his first goal. Really nice technique on that as well. A volley, uh again from a I think from a set piece scenario. So many uh so many goals coming from that for Bournemouth. But yeah. I mean, there's almost no tactical, tactical analysis. Actually, there is zero tactical analysis to talk about in that. Just, you know, just a, one of those freak results that are kind of interesting to see. So,
1: I mean, Scott Parker said he was shell-shocked.
0: I'm sure he was. I'm sure he's going to be shell-shocked whenever the, like, sacking shows up at his doorstep <laughs> sometime soon, too. So, I, I mean, not, not after that game, but, you know, newly promoted clubs have a history of having a short leash. So, although Bournemouth did keep Eddie Howe around for a long time, granted he was overperforming with them, but still, maybe they don't have as short a shorter leash. So, uh, okay. Uh, Ethan, we're going to have to come on to you eventually. So let's do it now.
1: Well, I can only describe this game as a series of unfortunate events. Um, you know, I, w- I did the typical, you know, wake up, realize that we were playing a big game. Uh, probably top two team in the, in the league. And I was like, Oh gosh, here we go again. Granted, you know, we've been their bogey team these past few seasons, but the first thing I see knows all now I'm shitting my pants. Cause I'm like, the only way we've been getting points off of them in the past is through him. So this, this might be, you know, like a five nil or something. Uh, And, you know, completely opposite of that, we go two nil up. And so I'm like, Hey, now, this is kind of crazy. Life under Vieira is kind of awesome. Don't need how to do anything. I was getting real high and mighty. Uh, I was really happy with Anderson got his first goal for the club. Um, you know, just it was like a really good uh, header, so I was really happy for that. We did have a goal that was weird. That was uh, the whistle was blown, but um, apparently it was for a foul on Ederson, but Ederson had already let the ball go, and then it just fell to Eduard and Edouard passed it to I, and he put it in the net, but they chalked it off. It was weird. A lot of people were talking about it, even our owner, but um, regardless, I think it, it wouldn't have mattered anyway, because we, we go into halftime winning two nil. And then we basically sat back the second half and just tried to see it out. We didn't really try and, you know, reapply the pressure that, you know, we were absorbing from the, from their onslaught. So, um, you know, adding on to the unfortunate events, uh, Mitchell had to come off injury or injured. And I think that was probably, you know, the, Thing that broke the cam- camel's back just because you know he he does so well to absorb pressure and push it back and get it uh, out of their own half. How long um, is he Rich- out for? They haven't said yet, it might have just been precautionary because he was able to walk off, but okay. um, you know, just precautionary at City. Don't want to like, keep him playing, you know. So, um, Richards comes on, um, obviously, you know, Richards hasn't really started the game, um, so you know, he's getting thrown right into it against Liverpool and City, um. And then this is, this one kind of confused me. Uh, uh, Vera subbed off Edward for Hughes. And I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I guess, you know, settle up in defense, you know, hold it back. But uh, Will Hughes is kind of just like, you know, a weird player to bring on at this time. Um, He didn't really have too much to do. And I think he was just, it was just a weird player to bring on at that time. Um, We took Klein off um, and Klein was providing a lot of, you know, speed going forward and being able to, you know, run forward with it and, you know, get away from uh, our own goal. But We left Ward on, and, you know, Ward, he's been doing well in this back five that Vera's been doing against these higher uh, up in the league t- uh, teams. And it's just been weird um, watching him because he, as good as of a player he is, he just gets, he, you know, he gets ran out, muscled, And you can see that when Holland started scoring goals because, um, you know, Silva scored the first goal for them, and then Holland has his first hat trick in the Premier League. Um, and then at one point we had Anderson, up. he pulled a Scott, Dan and ran forward and had his own little run. And I was like, what the heck, why are you doing that against Manchester city you idiot? And so he was running back. And I think eventually led to, I think it was his Holland's brace. Um, and then at that point, as he, um, was like the only one trying to get forward into their, into their half until, uh, Mateta and Alisa came on. And so, um, you know, going back. Obviously, I didn't expect anything in this game, but it's the hope that gets you because we were 2-0 up and, you know, we would at least try, you know, see it out with maybe a draw at least, but, you know, just to just to get two goals and be ahead at one point and then lose the game is really hard to take.
0: And you have a history in the fixture as well. So you're kind yeah. of thinking, oh, it's the stars of a line for us, you know?
1: Yeah, I'm trying so. to not take it as hard because obviously he's you know, out um, for this game or that game. And I think maybe this next one against Brentford, but um just knowing that we were we were churning at one point was you know you know, and then it looked like we could you know get something out of this game it was unfortunate those were always tough to take
3: i didn't even realize it happened until like after and i saw someone send something in our group chat about like oh sorry ethan in like some sort of way i was like what the heck what happened and then i looked and i saw holland th- th- with three times three codes. numbers like yeah i was like oh. yeah. Well, the anno-
1: yeah. Well, the annoying thing is that, you know, when we were, you know, defending for our lives, we were getting the ball out immediately, not giving them a chance to, you know, re, re- go off of what they just did. Um, but when Bernardo scored, you know, that was when we started falling apart because we just gave him so much time to do whatever he wanted to do. Um, really
2: unfortunate I, goal, too, because it was off of the election.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, just these next few goals, uh, Holland's first was just so. Poor because we you know it just kept falling to him so we couldn't really do anything about that the third goal was was really crazy because it was just a bunch of passes around the box and i yeah <laughs> i was just like so i mean that's and then just the third...
0: finish is crazy too he yeah just steps he up and dummies literally, it, like
1: yeah if a foot was there it was going in so i mean that just shows how much quality that city team has so i mean that's why they're a force to be reckoned with um fourth goal you see Ward get muscled off the ball and annoying uh because you know we play uh defense so you know cramped you know being really uh not wide at all really and so you know just giving them a through ball like that you know so wide open was pretty annoying so it kind of just fell apart but to the only thing I'm taking from this game is the fact that we were able to survive without Zaha a little bit just for a little bit and you know I, I, it just adds on to the games we've played this season, knowing that we can, you know, play somewhat okay against these good teams.
0: I'll also say last weekend or last week we talked about the fact that Newcastle were able to exploit the space behind City's fullbacks, which is sort of the famous way to get at City from open play. But no team in the world is perfect from defending set pieces either, so that's the other way that City are kind of get atable as well so if you have the first one was kind of just a freak accident i think you know you can't really attribute that to much but the second one was a well-worked set piece and obviously anderson with a powerful header as well so i think teams with designated set piece routines are going to possibly have an inroads against city this year where not many others will so i think Teams that – honestly, teams that don't have set-piece coaches are leaving money on the table at this point because yeah. it's literally like a free 10 goals a season easily, these set-piece routines.
1: Yeah. It is crazy. I, I did see this thing, and uh, not including Foden and uh, I think – I forgot his name, Palmer, that came on later in the game.
0: Yeah, yeah Palmer. Palmer.
1: Every, every other player in City's team was more than our record signing. Like, because our record signing was like $30 million. And like there, every player in that squad was over thirty million. This is not a complaint in any sorts. I just thought that was interesting to see you know how money really affects this game, well,
2: along the lines of money, I saw something today that um this season has the the potential to be the first season in history in Premier League history that I believe three clubs um could pass the two hundred million spent mark um those clubs being united um. West Ham, I think, and uh, yeah, surely Forest. No, actually, it wasn't for I mean, they're up there, it's like 130, but it was somebody else that I can't remember.
0: I want to say maybe Chelsea, but
3: i be Chelsea to put it. The Chelsea might be the one that's like waiting, hinging on the Fofana. Deal. Oh, well, because if I the think Fofana deals Chelsea. go
0: through, then it will be, yeah, yeah, because they obviously. spent over a hundred million on Koulibaly and Kukurea, so
3: yeah, who have
0: uh, West Ham. No. Nope. Who, all,
3: who else have City signed?
0: Uh Calvin Phillips and Erling Holland. Yeah. Uh Julian Alvarez was already there, and then they also signed uh Stefan or Gomez. Go, Gomez, yeah. Stefan yeah. Gomez, yeah. Yeah. But that who was a, like they yet? Uh, I thought it was Sergio Gomez. I don't know. I think I Gomez think he's
3: Gomez. a left back. Yeah. Because how but, much was Holland? Well, uh, he was not very clause, much so because it mil. was a
0: release clause. Yeah. 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 And Phillips was around, around that price as well. So they're like just over a hundred million somewhere, but, uh, all right, we'll, we'll leave that game there. I do have a couple lines on the other nine o'clock game, which was, well, actually there's two more, but the other one is Everton. So I don't care. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brighton and Leeds Brighton picked up a one nil win, but the, interesting thing about this. And Rebecca Lowe actually said this before the game. Shout out Rebecca Lowe. Um, England's best coaching mind versus the United States best coaching mind and Graham Potter versus Jesse Marsh, which I thought was kind of an interesting, interesting dichotomy. Uh, funny enough for most of the game, it was not a very tactical matchup. There was a lot of sloppiness in possession. There was a lot of misplaced passes Leeds, in particular were looking, uh, they seem to have lost all the momentum from the Chelsea game because they couldn't string a pass together in the first half. Um, Pascal Gross, I will say, is just absolutely uh, taken over this Brighton team. He's phenomenal to watch. His range of passing is unbelievable. His knowledge of how to move into the half spaces uh, is really just blows me away. That's shown for, for the goal that he scored, obviously. Trossard finding him in that kind of pocket of space. Um, I would recommend people to get him in their FPL teams. I said that to you guys and then promptly ignored my own advice, opting instead to go for Odegaard uh, <laughs> for the time being. But anyway, that's not important. I, uh, they, I do
1: think – sorry, go ahead.
0: Oh, I, I was going to move on to a different topic, so.
1: No, I I do want to give credit where credit is due. I think Grand Potter has made that team perform so well in spite of everything that's been happening. Because, you know, they've been losing so many of their core players. Like, you know, Kukurea just left this summer. Um, Neil Malpe Busuma just joined well. Everton and Musuma. Yeah. So it's just the fact that, I mean, there's still quality in the team, obviously, like Rose and all that. But he's he's been making it work for so long, no matter what the squad is. This well, is well, that's a actually a huge moment. I think there's yeah, a huge I, moment it's, of admission. Yeah. I remember oh, you were you this. were down on him, up, <laughs> up, shut up, shut up. I remember you were down on it for a while but I I
2: always just assumed it was because it was, it was Brighton
1: and uh well, I think the time know, I did the, the time I did complain they were getting a lot of stupid results just like <laughs> like they were losing like the last game but then they'd score in like it, it would be like 8 minutes of stoppage time and they'd score in like the 90 plus 15th minute just cuz it it went on for so long it was so stupid
3: but I think mm-hmm. the core of their defense are, has also stayed together, which is helps. Like they they've had like the reliable amount of center backs, and to be fair, that has been one of their strengths. Like they've lacked like forwards and goal scoring, their defense has like stayed pretty solid over the past few years too. And as I mean, yeah, I'm like Kukurea is not a bad defender, but you don't spend the money for Art Kukurea for his defense.
2: He's more of an attacking-minded um, defender.
0: you know, Yeah, wing, you, play a him
3: as a right, you play him as a right mid or even like a right wing and you wouldn't lose that much defensively.
0: Well, yeah. he plays on the left, so that seems sus, but... Leave me alone. <laughs> uh, well, actually, that segues kind of nicely to my... Or, Ethan, did you get to finish your point on that? Sorry. I did. Okay, that segues nicely into what I was going to say, actually, because Estepinian made his debut in this game as Cucurella's replacement. I thought he was excellent. Uh, so some more smart recruitment from Brighton there. Picked up a player who no one's ever heard of, uh, at least those of us who are pretty much explicitly familiar with the Premier League. Um, yeah, really, really good performance, I thought, from Estepinian. So
2: Admittedly, I don't
0: think any of us had heard of Cucurella
2: when they signed him, at least not very much. Uh I knew I of him only because he came out of the or...
0: Barcelona Academy. Yeah. So I remember when that was happening, but uh, I mean, I had never watched him play, obviously. So
1: I knew it because he had his racist moment.
0: Yeah, when he was at Hatafe, yeah. Uh, uh unfortunate. But mm. the so the way the way to nullify Leeds is pressed by the way is with quick one and two touch passing. Uh, because it just leaves them completely floundering. And I think Brighton had that directive from the get-go. It didn't always work, granted. I think, you know, some of those players aren't quite of the technical quality to make that happen. Uh, I think that's one aspect where they definitely are going to miss Yves Basuma because Enoch Muepu and uh, Moises Caicedo are great players, but I think Basuma is just kind of a level above. Um, that being said, they were uh, nullifying Leeds' press well enough. So I think, you know, that directive was effective to spit some bars real quick for you. Yeah, I think I mean,
2: we talked about Leeds's press last week and it's all about, you know, just kind of running at the man who's closest to you. But um, because of that, you know, it's pretty, not easy to get around, but if you find the pass, right. There is just immediately open space in front of you because you've drawn, drawn the man out so far in some of the cases.
0: And that's the thing with Chelsea too, is their focus is so much on slow buildup, very like, very uh almost agricultural progression of the ball uh (laughs) so i think they're they're especially susceptible to something like that which is what we saw of course um so all right i think i i also have this written down i think this is very american but i think leads will definitely thrive on the underdog mentality i think that's some a message that is kind of the classic American sports story, right. is the underdog. And I think Jesse Marsh probably uses that uh, kind of pathos a lot whenever motivating the team, especially with their work rate being such a crucial factor in how they play. So I think in, in games where the opposition is of similar quality, they might struggle a bit more because it's not quite as emotionally charged for them. These are all intangible. So it's difficult to analyze and difficult to quantify how much of the performance is based on these factors but i do think it's a real thing so it's just worth noting uh everton are the worst team in the league let's move on (laughs) gabrielle is bald uh, that's my summary of this game. That's I tweeted fun. that no, about a hundred <laughs> times. Anything that would occur, I would respond to every possible tweet with the Slapcast account. Just say, Gabriel is bald. <laughs> whenever he scored, whenever he gave up the ball, Mitrovic, just at halftime, anything. Yeah. I was looking for any excuse to make fun of him.
1: I mean, so, apparently he's bald and bricked.
0: That's what that guy said, yeah. And I said, A-O. And then he was, he was like, are you if too you know, stupid you know. to understand? And I was like, no, man. I'm just asking why you're saying that. So, anyway, shout out to that
3: guy. I can't remember his name. Speaking but. of Mitrovich, I, when he got blasted in the head by Ramsdale, oh, by Ramsdale? Yeah. I was like,
2: and he just looked unfazed completely. I thought he was old, and he's not. No,
0: he's... He's like 28, he's, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. know. I just how... wanted to
2: drop a line on that. I thought he was like 30 at least. Because I remember when
0: he burst onto the scene at Newcastle, he was like the hot young... Prospect, I thought he was hot, old so. then. Hot, yeah. The Serbian buck, yeah. some type of something like that. Nah, but... Um, so, Reese, I actually texted you, or I texted the group chat, but it was directed at you uh, after the game, and I said, of all Arsenal's performances so far, this is the one that actually concerns me as a Spurs fan. And not just because of the whole thing that, you know, we've said before about how, in previous seasons, Arsenal would have traditionally lost this game. It's more just the feeling that came after Arsenal equalized that it felt so inevitable that Arsenal were going to score. Yeah. And, you know, so I was not at all surprised to see it happen. And I think it just it, it gives it gives me the same feeling that I get when watching City kind of mount a comeback in a game like that, you know? Yeah. And that's what scares me. It's
2: credit to the, to the uh, mentality. And I, I tweeted this out. Everybody should be following Slapcast and all of our personal Twitters. We talk about this stuff sometimes. Um, but, you know, I, I said something along the lines of, uh, you know, we we saw this specifically in the Arsenal documentary and it's why I brought it up. Arteta multiple times uh, previously has said, you know, there is a large hurdle. There's a large gap between us and teams like city and Liverpool. Um, but there is not, but not in the terms of mentality. The mentality is is like if you get the mentality, then you're there. And you know w- we saw that mentality uh, on occasion last season. We're seeing it ma- more now. Uh, but now that we have more quality in the side, it's just kind of amalgamating into this ability to come back in games like that. You know, I, I talked about um, uh, last year in the uh, in the episode we had with Ben uh, Ben Single. Uh, I talked about how we just couldn't produce our own luck. And that was something that was different between us and the top teams. We absolutely did in this game when it came to the Odegaard goal. Um, And, you know, I I mentioned it uh, when we were talking about City uh, Palace and that, you know, the Bernardo Silva goal is unfortunate because it's a deflection. But it's what happens with teams like those because they're just they're just going at you so hard that eventually something's going to go in. And it doesn't matter if it's a deflection. It's like even though it's lucky, they produced that bit of luck. And that's exactly what I felt happened with the Odegaard goal. And then, you know, uh, we talked to it before the Odegaard goal, Gabrielle had made a mistake on the ball, pretty much turned handed it to Mitrovic on a silver platter inside the box. And it's something that happens when you're playing out from the back as much as we are. Um, but you know, the team responded and Gabrielle responded as well. Um, getting a goal, uh, getting the winner in the 86th minute, um, and, yeah, man, it's just – it's a 2-1 win against Fulham, but it feels so good. And, you know, they, they were also undefeated going into this game, so it's not like it was the easiest game of all time.
0: They're they are a good team. I think we all shat on them coming into the season, and rightfully so just generally based on previous kind of occurrences, but they're a good team. Um, yep. So I, I don't think – you know, I would like to shit munch and say, oh, you've just smashed a bunch of trash. <laughs> uh and and a palace team that was not cohesive yet so but well that's what some of the pundits are doing they, they've already st- have y'all seen this they've already
2: some of the pundits have already started the anti-arsenal celebration agenda that was from last season i love and it i love it it makes me so annoyed i i don't know it just gets under my skin i hate it so much um i hate fun <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's what they're basically saying during, yeah like, i know whoa, whoa, whoa. it's like come on dude um But yeah, it's great to see see a win like this, especially at the Emirates. You know, I talked about the fans previously. The fans are just so central to this, right? The atmosphere has completely changed, and um, I think a large most of that is due to Arteta, right? He's completely changed the mentality of not only the players but the fans as well. Um, They're completely backing the team. You know, once again, like Saliba own goal, Gabriel gives the ball away, and immediately. Um some like Arsenal chants started happening. And I don't remember what chant specifically it wasn't the Salaba chant, but you know, just some, Thank some random God. <laughs> some random assortment of chants started immediately following that moment. Um, which is just so huge, right? Um and you know, I don't I don't want to jinx us, but we've got what feels like a break uh on Wednesday because we were playing Villa at home. Villa. Um
0: And they're like we said, horrific. They're playing
2: very poorly right now, and it's another home game. So hopefully, this will be easier time than the Fulham game. But yeah, man, I was I was extremely happy with this win.
0: Yeah, that's the other thing that concerns me about Arsenal as well is the fans being behind the team. I think is so such an underrated factor. I think you know that season with COVID kind of showed us how crucial the fans are actually, and how much of a boost they can give to the players because traditionally. I know fans externally from Arsenal and you'd probably agree with this to some extent, Reese, that there are a lot of Arsenal fans that are quite toxic generally. Yes. Um, A lot of them contribute to the memedom that is the Arsenal fan experience, I think. Um, And so the fact that that's not actively happening in the stadium also concerns me. So, because in previous seasons, it was actively happening in the stadium. Mm -hmm. So.
2: Yeah. Now I want to drop a line. Uh, Gabriel Jesus, once again, I thought he played really well in this game. Um, interestingly, I talked about uh, the tactical stuff previously with Zinchenko moving in midfield. Um, he was unavailable this game due to a slight injury and uh, Tierney started. And so I was very, interesting, very interested to see if we would stick with the same tactics uh, because, you know, Tierney's not immediately... He's not immediately who you think of uh, when you think of fullbacks also playing in midfield, right? He's more of a stay on the wing, go up and down for the whole
0: game. You actually said that, I think, too.
2: Yeah, credit to him, though. He absolutely did play that role, Um, drifted inside midfield, creating space. I think it was a little, um, it was to a lesser extent than what you would see normally with Zinchenko. But the important factor there is creating the space because by drifting inside, um, it just opens up pockets for other players like um, Xhaka out on the left or... Um you know, somebody else in midfield. Odegaard, uh, especially, I think. Yeah, Odegaard. Um, who had another phenomenal game. Uh and then the the last name I wanted to mention, Eddie and Ketia. I was he about to on, ask
0: you about this, actually.
2: Yeah. Came on as a substitute, and he his energies just completely changed the game, I thought. Um, I thought, you know, we were struggling a little bit in the moments leading up to his substitution. Um, we were having to absorb some pressure. Um, and then he came on and um, there was just a flip. Like his energy was infectious. Um, and you know, it, he's added things to his game that I think are really cool because him and Jesus, they have very similar profiles, I feel. You know, they're very they're both very quick. However, they're both good at hold up play, which is something that you don't often see. Um, I actually think Enkatia is better at hold up play out of the two of them. I just think there's there's moments where he just looks so strong, which is so odd because he's it's not like he's huge or anything. Um, he is
0: tall, but, or he looks yeah. tall. I don't know how tall I think he he's is like actually. like 5'10". But... or Okay, well, he um, looks taller than he is. So maybe that's a testament to how good think, he is at hold-up I play. I think
2: he's bulking up because he looks extremely strong in certain moments. And, you know, they, they complement each other in that way. And that I think, you know, Jesus is the more technical player, but he can still hold up the ball. Whereas Nketia, slightly less tech. Oh, he's
0: 5'9". My God, I'm mean, Yeah, even
2: shorter than what I thought, but you know, he's looking, looking really strong, but yeah, his energy is a shame, man. And, um, he's continuing to put in some decent performances. Uh, it could be interesting because at some point, and I don't necessarily think this will be Wednesday, but at some point, Jesus will need to rest. So, um, and Katya will get some starts this season and it will be very interesting to see if he'll take those chances.
0: It seemed to me that there was also a slight tactical tweak when he came on. I don't know if you noticed that. I don't want to put you on the spot, but do you know exactly what happened? Um,
2: Well, he oftentimes has. uh, I'm trying to think. Hold on. Give me one moment. because I'm trying to think. I think he came on at the same time that uh, somebody else did that I'm forgetting. Uh, I'm trying to look quickly Uh, as well. Okay. So. Here's what it was. Um, Tierney was subbed off for him. Uh, Oh, that's
0: right. That's right. Yeah, that's what it was.
2: Um, So we went to a straight back three at this point um, with wingbacks and Martinelli and Sokka switch sides. And Sokka was playing left wing back, which he's done before. Martinelli was playing right wing back, which he hasn't done quite as much. But he actually um, did play this role a couple times last season, specifically, you know, when we would bring on Rob Holding um, to see out the game. Um, so there was moments like that, but yeah, Martinelli, he's actually more competent in defense than you would think just because he's so energetic and runs around so much. He's extremely good at tracking the ball. Um, so yeah, when this happened, uh, you know, tactically you went to a back three. Um, there was no more, you know, fullback drifting into midfield, that kind of thing. And instead, and was playing more as a winger, um, ish, but it's kind of a, a fluid attack at that point, right? Cause him and, and him and jesus are kind of swapping around and just creating space for each other and it's it's really interesting there but then yeah we got the got the equalizer um and we did end up sticking with this back three throughout the game right i think it was more of a personnel thing we didn't really have anybody to sub on i eventually we we did bring off um we did bring off odegaard oh no sorry uh we brought on Tamiasu and Rob Holding, uh, Rob Holding much later. Uh, but Tamiasu played uh, left wing back when he came on, which I believe, unless I'm mistaken, that he is two-footed. So, uh, he is, yeah. Is He's option. been known to play both
0: sides for sure.
2: Um, but yeah, we, we did bring on a more defensive wing back in, in that
0: uh,
2: position. I, for some reason, I, I mean, that was quite late on, in game. that was –
0: Uh, it was Jesus actually. So that was a very much a, that's right. Yeah. Like
2: one striker.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And cats. I think that's sort of inside they they were almost operating as two inside forwards rather than two strikers, which I think suits their skill sets really well as well. So yeah. Yeah.
2: I just rambled for a long time though, but that's pretty much all I got. Well,
0: I can take over and ramble a bit more if you want. I do. (laughs) I just want to say Arsenal did have the Europa League group draw, uh, PSV, yeah. Bodo Glimpse, and FC Zurich in the group. I think, I mean, you would expect pretty much any Europa League group. Arsenal should be winning probably, but
3: yeah. the
0: PSV tie might be pretty fun. So that's a decent Boto enough. Bodo Glimps
3: are not a short slouch either. They they pushed Roma in the extra time last season. So I'm always a...
2: hesitant to say it's easy fixtures, but despite you know quality that they may have, I think we should be expecting. All wins, yeah. But should be. at yeah. least no losses. That won't
0: happen, but that you know that's on paper, it's what should happen. But the the last time Arsenal went to Norway,
3: what was that name That's true. It kid?
0: was uh, it was uh, Oder- uh, young boys
2: or not young? No, boys, it was uh, uh, that. Uh, it was Grand Potter's old side. Oster- oh, they're
0: from Sweden, Ustersons. Yeah, are they not Norwegian? Swedish. Yeah, no. no. but I knew who you were talking about. Scandinavia, we'll say. So close enough <laughs> either way though so uh before i do cut into rambling about spurs real quick i just want to give a mention west ham did get their first win of the season against villa it was a kind of a dreadful game from what i can tell villa are not very good west ham so far this season are not very good either that may change i probably will change going forward they just announced the signing of lucas Paqueta. um probably reese is disappointed to to know now that arsenal won't be adding to the Brazilian mafia but yeah uh, and then I want to of bring Newcastle. up just,
2: just for a moment that uh, Aston Villa is the only team to have lost to Bournemouth so far. <laughs> yeah. I, I think um, that may be more telling than anything.
1: I mean, we talked about it earlier. Steven Gerrard lost his right hand man.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so he did.
1: This might be showing, because I do think there's a little, or not a little, a lot of quality in that team. It's just, you know, managing it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they're also the only team they've beaten is the worst team in the league in Everton. So, um yeah, Bournemouth and Everton are going to be fighting it out for who's the worst team in the league. <laughs> and I'm actually not kidding about Everton. I'm serious. They're so bad. Um, Wolves and Newcastle played out a 1-1 draw. Wolves are still winless on the season, which is going to be frustrating for them. But uh, two great goals in this game. Uh, yeah. Ruben Neves with a screamer from outside the box, as usual. And then Sam Maxman with a beautiful volley. Uh, take your pick for which one's better. Honestly, they're both cracking goals. But Okay, now, so... Here's the thing. Reese asked me last week if the Spurs performances were concerning to me. And what I said was basically give it another week. Let's see how Spurs perform against Nottingham Forest, because that's a team that, you know, on paper, Spurs should comfortably be beating. They probably won't look too cohesive because there's a million players coming in and yada, yada. So this was a good benchmark for Spurs. They actually did look quite cohesive, which I'm impressed by, to be honest. They are flowing really well as a team, considering nearly all of their players that started were uh, just signed in this window. But the thing is, I think, so an interesting point on this is that a lot of people, my dad included, who's kind of adoptively become a Spurs fan. He was texting me during the game and saying, Oh, you know, we've been dreadful in the first half. Um, you know, we can't get out of our own box. We're sloppy in possession, which the last one is a hundred percent true. Uh, but I think the first half looks a whole lot worse than it actually is, to be honest, because Forrest did have a the lion's share of possession. But please point to me the chances that Forrest had in the first half. I don't think there are any, to be honest. I think Spurs if, defended if, if
2: Yates could have hit the goal, there was there would have been three meaningful ones. But for some True. reason Yates was the one ending up on all of the the end of stuff, even though he's not a forward.
0: But... The one chance, the one really good chance that he did have was in the second half, that header, the, header. Uh, the free header, yeah. But before that, I mean, nothing really, nothing really was threatening the goal. I don't think. Lloris had one save to make from a long shot from O'Brien, but it was comfortable. Um, so I, I kind of think that I'm, I'm having a little bit of trouble evaluating Spurs, but I think that City and Liverpool have completely changed the modern perspective of what makes a good team. I think that if a team is not, if a team is comfortable out of possession, it becomes difficult to evaluate how good they are because you think like forest had the most possession in this game. And it seems that they're bossing the game, but actually, I think especially in the first half, there were a few nervy moments in the second half I grant you, but I mean, I think Spurs were in control of the game for the vast majority of this, uh, of this tie. And I think the XG actually shows that Um, there was only a very brief point at the end of the first half where forest were leading on XG and they were only leading very marginally. I'll see. I'll uh, flash the the chart up on the screen um, of the XG progression throughout the game uh, at this time. But. Um, here's the thing, I think Hoybier is quickly becoming irreplaceable again in the Spurs midfield. I think, you know, there has been a lot of criticism and he really divides opinion, but. I think in terms of his breaking up of play and in terms of his incisive passing on both sides of the ball, basically, I think defensively and in an attacking frame point, that's not a word. In an, in an attacking frame of mind, uh, Hoybeer is quickly becoming incredibly valuable to Spurs again, uh, like he was when he first started coming into the team. Bentinker less so I thought he was pretty poor again in this game. I think the combination of those two is what leaves us weak in midfield. I think Bentinker. Well, I had this written down before he uh, had to come off injured, but uh, I think Basuma needs to start over Bentinker going forward in our best team. Um, Bentonker did actually suffer a concussion in this game. So he'll be out for a couple of weeks at the very least. So next, I think against West Ham, you will see Hoybeer Basuma, which will be very interesting uh, from my perspective as well. He, he was weird. He was very sloppy in possession. Uh, he seemed to just kind of randomly decide to press uh Forrest when they had possession in the defensive half. I couldn't really figure out what the trigger was for it. It it, it really did seem quite random to me. Uh, so I don't really understand what's going on there. Either way, I think Spurs again are quite happy to sit back and then hit on the counter, especially against a team that's kind of has these center backs that aren't the greatest quality with all due respect. I think that's the one area that Forest need to strengthen a bit more is that central defense. Real quick
2: with their center backs did you notice how far up they were at times? Like,
0: yeah, I noticed that's what I mean. Like all, all three of them
2: in a line would be at like the 40 yard line, yard mark. It's like 40, 45 yards inside out. the like,
0: Spurs half. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I, 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 that's a brave thing to do against an Antonio Conte team. I mean, and they got caught out within five minutes, you know, that Kulisevsky makes this great cutback pass to Kane and uh, it's kind of a weird finish, but. It ended was. up in the bottom corner. It was slow. It was, I thought, yeah. I thought Henderson would at least react. I, I did too. I think he was unsighted by the defender or, or something. I, I'm not sure, but it was, it was kind of an odd goal. But either way, uh, I think the other change I would like to see is I'm starting to get tired of Emerson Royale in possession. I think defensively he's very good, but for a team that relies on their wingbacks for so much ball progression, I think having someone who's not very comfortable in possession. As your starting uh, player, there is questionable at best. I think Doherty probably needs to start. Although Jed Spence did come on late in the game, and I thought he was excellent. Weirdly, he was playing forward. Uh, yeah. he was playing right inside forward when he came on. Uh, I thought he was really good, but I don't we know if that's scored. He did almost score. Yeah, uh, I Do thought you that think was
3: Emerson would be a good
0: fit on the right side of the three. This has actually been brought up a little bit, and he has played there before, I believe, for Barcelona at times. And the only reason I would say no is because generally the right side of the three is occupied by Christian Romero, who's also kind of integral to Spurs progressing the ball. Um, And I think not having Romero in that role and having Davinson Sanchez there does actually hurt Spurs with the ball. I think that is where a lot of our sloppiness in possession comes because Romero is just that little quality edge higher. In terms of progressing forward, so in practice, I would say yes. But the fact that Romero is such a niche player, I think he's pretty much undroppable from that position. The only he's reason on the he uh, Davis uh, or Longley. So, do you but, think
3: would it be worth switching Romero to the left, or is it no?
0: Well, we need left a left. Footed, we it? need a left-footed player on the left side of the three, in yeah. my opinion. So, um. Yeah, so either Davis or Longley, those are the two left footers. So I think Romero, I think, like, the thing is, I just think there's better options in any of the positions than Emerson Royale, to be honest. Like, he's better than Doherty defensively, but I don't think he's that much better defensively to warrant him not starting. Like, I think if you could combine Doherty and Emerson, you would have a very good (laughs) wingback. But unfortunately, you can't, so you kind of have to pick and choose. Um, And then, like, do you think Conte's going to see that do you think he's going
3: to adjust and drop Emerson for him or do you think he's going to cuz cuz with like Conte systems are always like very like pre pre medicated yeah pre yeah pre medicated pre
2: medicated or- <laughs>
3: Premeditated like plans of attack on like where and how the ball is going to be played and what runs need to be made. Yeah. Which do you think? Do you think? Leave me. What the alone. hell? Are you Did you yeah. just rip? <laughs> no. Okay. So new apartment. The street is this way. So whenever some jackass with a shitty muffler skirts. <laughs> he past. thought
2: that too it was so slow I just it was I, and you just kept talking of- and i was like there's no way
3: <laughs> i would also be owning it if
0: that oh, you you would oh, man. you would but fair. still well, i was wondering um, what the hell you guys were was- laughing
3: at. i thought i was just getting shit on for the pre-med no, no, i did no, no, no. i did too to
0: be honest but um sorry i'm yeah, so sorry sorry okay, sorry. Just
3: okay, of everything across
0: Wait, what did you do? Why, what
3: <laughs> <laughs> was? Well, What's your question? I, think, I was asking, like, who? I don't know. I lost my train I, I'd be. Years. I kind of get what you're saying.
2: I'd be very surprised, and uh, I'd be very surprised if he dropped Emerson right now, specifically after a win. I, I just think that'd be slightly odd.
0: The the only reason I could see Doherty starting the West Ham game is just under the guise of rotation, yeah, because I think – yeah, and I think it, it's a good opportunity for Conte to make changes without it looking suspicious, you know, because I think Sun has had four very poor games in a row now. Uh, I think that's no secret. He's been pretty rough in possession, and also he can't really buy a break. He's been pretty unlucky with a lot of things that have happened. Um, but, I mean, Richarlison was a live wire when he came on. So, for me, I think the West <laughs> – I know why you're laughing <laughs> – <laughs> the, the the West Ham game is a perfect opportunity to rotate under the guise of exactly you know. that, rather than dropping people, if you catch what I mean. So I, I'll be interested to see what the lineup looks like. Uh so <laughs> Richarlison, after putting in the most gorgeous outside of the foot cross in history to set up Harry Kane, uh starts doing keepy uppies in the forest half. And then gets booted into the stratosphere by Brendan Johnson. And there has been an outpouring of hatred from everyone on the internet about this, about this incident. And I love it. He is boiling so much piss. It's so much fun to watch. I hope he does it again in every game.
1: The funny thing is that other than that happening, you know, right when he comes on, he immediately starts like, Oh, I heard myself like flailing yeah. around. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: he did take a heel to the, yeah, heads, yeah. to be fair. It was just but... funny
1: because it was just like a storybook thing.
0: It's so classic Richarlison, though. People are going to, yeah. man, people are going to hate Spurs this season. Romero, Richarlison, people already don't like son. It's, it's just, I, Spurs are piss boilers FC and I'm here for it. So, but uh, I also completely lost my train of thought where I was going to. Oh, yeah, I think by the end of the game, it turned into a bit of a basketball game. Uh, Teams were just breaking up and down the pitch, really. Spurs could have scored five in the second half, I think, just the amount of chances that we had going forward. So it was a bit of a weird game, but I think Spurs managed it really well, and I think – oh, we need to talk about um penalty. Steve Cook playing goalkeeper. Oh, Wait, what? What? Well, Steve Cook playing oh, yeah. goalkeeper for the penalty. What's he doing? Uh, do you guys think this is a red card? I'm just curious.
2: Uh, no, I don't. I
0: you mean, think? it looks
2: it looks like it should be after the fact because you know they saved the pin, but it technically he's not denying an obvious goal scoring opportunity. Or it, it's like the wording is really strange. But every time we've seen a red card, it's not about it's not really about the opportunity. It's about whether or not the ball is going in it's and, true. Kane, and Kane wasn't going to get there.
3: Ethan, what do you think? Because I feel I, like the two corners have their Arsenal and Spurs hats on. For this. No,
0: no, well, actually I, I'm not a hundred percent about this, to be honest. I don't really know.
1: I would agree with Reese just because, uh, you know, I, I also think it didn't look like he was going in it was, you know, and the, uh, Every time I have an opinion in regard to VAR, I feel like it, it just ends up happening the opposite. So I, I don't even know what to think anymore.
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying it should have been a red card. And I don't, I mean, well, it's because it's tough. It I don't, been. it could have been. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like it could have been
2: and no one would have cared. Exactly. Yeah.
0: I will say also Steve Cook has done this before. I don't know if you guys remember, there was a game between Bournemouth and Norwich about three seasons ago, maybe. Oh, and no. Uh, no, no, no. Not Bournemouth, but, but Norwich. <laughs> the only reason you might remember this is because the Bournemouth goalkeeper got caught like out in somewhere, no man's land. I don't know why what was happening. The but Ramsdale? It might have been actually. It been. <laughs> but um uh, Timu Puki had a shot, like he was so far out of goal that Timu Puki had a shot from like the halfway line, roughly. And Steve Cook like dives backwards and <laughs> palms it. Look it up. I'm sure it's somewhere on YouTube. So he has a history of playing goalkeeper uh, that he did get a straight red for that. Um, But (laughs) I think we talked about it on the podcast actually somewhere a long time ago. I'm pretty sure we did. I don't know. I'm not going to go look for it because it was so long ago and it would have been like season one paid off for him. Uh, No, the the gamble was ended up being completely worth it. Cause you know, I had a
1: going cat mode.
0: I had a funny feeling that, Kane was going to miss when he stepped up, but mostly because Peter Drury goes, he hasn't missed a penalty in 21 attempts. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. yeah, okay. Thanks, Peter. But I dude- did think the, the, like,
2: I don't know, man. You know, we talked about how forest had possession, but it wasn't really meaningful. The thing about having possession when you're at home though, is it gets the fans involved, right? Cause, True. cause it, it makes them think, you know, you're dominating the game. And so the fans are really involved. The penalty gets saved. The I was, worried, are... after I yeah. was really worried after that. I was really worried. Immediately following that, I thought y'all were going to concede for sure. Um, so, you know, credit to you. I think it's absolutely huge in that moment to weather the storm and come away without conceding there. Cause all the momentum was on Forrest in that moment.
0: And Kane never misses penalties. Yeah. That's the other Ever. thing is
2: it's like, it's a huge, it's a huge blow in, in multiple senses. Like the, the penalty saves, the fans are all riled up. Uh, the players are riled up it's Kane so it's like yeah
0: extra as soon as the penalty ha- if as soon as Spurs get a penalty it's an assumed goal like yeah. just because Kane is so automatic but yeah so it's just it's an extra live wire for the Forest fans for sure I'm a big fan of that word right now for some reason I don't know why but I must have heard someone use it and liked it but <laughs> Josh you look like you want to say something or fart so I'm not 100% sure what's about to happen
3: I looked up the Steve Cook. Save it. Oh my god, what a save. Guess the, the one against Norwich? you talk talking about the one against yes. orange? It's I crazy, forgot. right?
0: That was save of the year. Yeah. Go everyone go look it up on YouTube. Seriously. Okay. It's unbelievable. Oh guess what month and what year it was from.
2: Man,
3: go th- around in a circle.
2: Months
3: okay, well, who's year? the
0: what's the circle order for you? Because I think it's different for all of us.
2: Gage, go first.
0: I'm gonna say October. 2019.
2: I think it has to be
3: 2019.
2: No. Ethan looks deep in thoughts.
0: Wait, when did Norwich get promoted? Which time? The first time. <laughs> I mean, I don't I don't remember to be honest, well, but I think get, I would give it away.
1: Every time they get promoted, they get relegated. They're never in the league for like the, I'm gonna go 2019
2: time. as well, but I'll say like I feel like it must have been like late in the season or something. I'm gonna go with like April. Actually, no, I'm gonna go August. (laughs) It was first month of the season. Okay.
1: I was thinking December 2019.
3: So Ethan was the closest. It was January 2020, like right before the the
1: pause. I I feel like all the weird stuff that happens in the league happens around that time. Like like
0: season one.
2: I think
1: happened around
0: that time. It was. No, no, wait. The Allison Header was like way late in the season, right? I thought it was like in Which May. One?
2: Yeah, that was like a season oh. saver for them.
0: Yeah. Which one? Allison scoring a header for against West Brom.
3: Oh yeah, that was in like.
0: Wait, that was during
3: the season, I think shutdown though.
0: So. Yeah. Oh, it, oh yeah, it was. I forgot about that. That's no, it wasn't because Liverpool no, won the was. title the shutdown season. No, that. Was oh the yeah, last. it was twenty twenty. No, that was
2: the that was the year they got fourth. Yeah, that was it was the, the year where time. no fans
0: were in the stands. Yeah, that's that's yeah. what I meant. Yeah. No okay. Because but it wasn't he, during project restart yeah
3: yeah. because if he didn't score that we would have been in the champions
0: league yeah that sucks for you so uh you're I not wanna... in the champions league either hey, yeah I, that's why i get to do it i, I know oh, no i get to do it because i we are in the champions league. i am in the champions league no, <laughs> we are uh there is a hilarious stat by the way that Dating back to last season, Davinson Sanchez hasn't conceded a goal in nine hours and 47 minutes of play time. (laughs) Dating back to the last three games of last season and the games that he has played of this season. That's kind of hilarious. I'm not saying
3: you're lying, but that sounds extremely not true for Davinson. No, it's just –
0: I know, I know. But it's just the fact that he's played games where Spurs were in total control for the most part, except for the Wolves game last week. But, uh, yeah, so just a little interesting stat. Uh, one of the podcasts I listened to, The View from the Lane, uh, shout out. That's the Athletic Spurs podcast. They discovered that you could have listened to the entire Beatles discography during the time that Davinson Sanchez hasn't scored a goal. Hey, so that's kind of funny. That's <laughs> kind of funny. But... um, Oh, Spurs did get their Champions League draw. Eintracht, Frankfurt, Sporting, and Marseille, which... I'm happy with, to be honest, you know, a lot of people would say that you want to play the glamour, you want to get the glamour tie in the group, which is true, but Spurs have had almost all the glamour teams in the times that they've been in the Champions League. So interestingly enough, we've had Barcelona in our group, we've had Real Madrid in our group, and we had Bayern in our group for three of those seasons. We got out of the group all three of those times. The one time that we didn't get out of the group, our group was Monaco, Leverkusen, and CSKA Moscow. (laughs) So, maybe we're going to go out in the group stage this year. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, maybe. But, you know, the team that I think had the best
3: draw was Victor Plizen, the uh, team from uh,
0: Czech like Republic. The... Yeah. So, it's Czech Republic.
3: Yeah, that's what I thought. But, you know. So they got, I think they got Bayern, Barcelona,
0: Inter. and Inter. And Inter, yeah.
3: That's insane. <laughs> that's like, a horrible draw. Like it's horrible, but like, the away days you're going to get with that are amazing. And if you're true. you're the pot D club, you're probably not going to, they have to go through qualifying and everything. So like that, like all things considered, that's a pretty amazing. It's a cool crowd.
0: experience for them. Yeah, that's true. So I like those videos of like when
3: Germany played Gibraltar and the Gibraltar <laughs> team has to go play in like the
0: Allianz arena. then they're just like, and then Whoa. lose by 20.
3: Yeah, because normally there's
0: rocks everywhere. Yeah, I know. The
3: background. Hey,
0: Gibraltar is a beautiful place. Don't shit on Gibraltar.
3: No, I'm not. I'm saying they got some nice rocks.
0: The rock of Gibraltar. Yes, the rock. But okay, we've derailed this significantly. So, uh, no, you're good. I had a really good segue and I forgot. Oh, I was talking about discography. And now I'm going to have Ethan pull out a disc, an album. Give us the album of the week, my brother.
1: I got you. This week I got oh, the Fun ha- or Fun House by the Stooges. It's number 94 on the uh, Rolling Stones top 500 albums. And um, I've recently just been going through that list because I thought it'd be a good way to find out more uh, popular music or let's say more well-produced music because obviously a lot of that is very much dependent on how the music is produced. Um, and funny enough, as I was listening to this, I realized that it was um, if any of y'all know who Iggy Pop is, he's a pretty popular p- old punk singer. Um, he was a part of this band. And one of the songs in it, I think it was 1970, uh is the name of the song, was in one of my MLB games growing up. And so this was when I was like seven. So I was like, Oh my gosh, this is insane. And so I was just it was in another game I played, uh, Called the bigs which was another mlb game which was insane because it's just all these buff mlb mlb players but uh, after listening to it it's like a it's a great punk record uh, i think it's like an early uh, adopter of punk and um has a lot of energy to it so I, I have to recommend it for people who like a lot of music
0: very nice i'm uh, for, for i think almost our whole generation at least largely the male segment of it has had our music taste shaped by sports games Cause there's yeah. just so much banger music in sports mm-hmm. games for whatever I reason.
1: I know. I I still go back and listen to like all the NBA Live 07, you know, tracks and all that. It's just good music. They they found a way they to do. make it like, and it's all it's all dependent on the sport too. Like you know, FIFA is usually indie, alternative, international music, while football is more rap, and it's it's cool how that's like how it's just set up.
3: I think my three like most like sports games that, like influence it was like Madden 08 with like Steve McNair on the cover and then NHL 13 with Claude in the cover. Oh my dude, Devil that was, like, game stupid. has one of the best soundtracks ever. And then FIFA 15. It was yes. my, like, third FIFA. So that's
1: that's my favorite soundtrack from FIFA. Yep. That,
3: that one, and I had like the FIFA online on my iPad which helped me and ethan become very good friends Mm -hmm. once i showed him this yeah and then with the christ yeah that was a good memory and yeah that soundtrack went insane Mm -hmm.
0: those those early years of like our middle school and early high school years of fifa soundtracks are just the most like perfect set of songs anyone could have ever dreamt up to be honest yeah it just even going back now and listening it just gives me so much like nostalgia and good vibes
1: it's embedded in my DNA.
0: It really is, dude. It really is. So, Josh, do you have a jersey for us by chance? I do. And they're all unpacked now. Okay. Hey, the way majority to go. of them.
3: So, for at least so far, I've bought a, when I had the money to do it, I bought a jersey for the World Cup. And I'm going to buy one for like every World Cup until, you know, I die. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> this is South Korea's away jersey. And it's actually pretty cool. It's got, like, the – uh it's kind of hard to do. But – so the top is, like, red and the bottom half is blue. So it's kinda like, got, like, scratch marks from, like, a tiger. And it also gets, like, the symbol and the flag. And they have a cool badge. The tiger's cool. And then it's got the little symbol that I was talking about on the back. So it's a pretty simple jersey, but it's one of my favorite ones. And it's just kind of nice. And it's, it's – it's a Nike one when they switched that like super soft material, Nice. like yeah. lightweight one.
1: Um, I do think it's it's interesting because a lot of the World Cup jerseys are coming out right now.
3: Dude, those yeah. Puma ones were horrendous.
1: The USA bad... away, I know. I'm so dead. bad. I, I don't. I don't like either of them. I don't like either of them. Either.
0: I don't mind the white one as much, but the blue and black one is horrendous.
1: Just just seeing all the other teams make these amazing jerseys, like that of Mexico, the Mexico away jersey. That looks insane. so nice. That the purple
0: Argentina one. Yes. Oh
1: See so that looks just,
0: so insane.
1: You just think that we've could have done so much better. So that I purple
0: Argentina jersey is a World Cup winning jersey. That's what that looks like to me.
3: The uh the Puma. Did y'all see the Puma ones with like the boxes? Yeah, yeah it's horrific. Those are
1: interesting. The, the, the Moroccan one... one looked good.
3: The Moroccan won't actually look cute because they were like, "Yeah, we're not going to put their flag in this. Ooh, we'll be good." And then we're like, "Yeah, we're going to put the flag in this." And the rest of them it didn't make sense.
0: Pumas had some stinkers recently too because they had that whole thing where all the all the big oh, the, teams that they sponsor, the yeah, the words, no logo. it looks like a T-shirt. That's you know right. what I'm talking about, like the yeah. Man City third kid and Milan had one. That's what I thought the away shirts were at first. I my
3: like American brain was like, "Yeah, shirt. Sure, that's a T-shirt." That makes sense that's a cool t-shirt and then i like like 10 minutes later i was like wait a." then second. they started
0: playing matches in them <laughs> yeah and i was like what is this absolute trash so
3: yeah i like looked back and was like oh these are actually world cup jerseys
0: not just t-shirts oh my god what are they doing with their lives yeah pretty pretty horrendous And while we're on the subject of jerseys actually i'm just i know this i this will not make any sense to the audio listeners but i've Hung my jerseys up on the wall in my new house, which is kind of exciting. So we've got the classic ones. This, that one is my favorite jersey of all time. Uh Because nice that's the one that we wore in the Man City game, the 4-3 and the Ajax game, Ajax. the Lucas game. So, yeah, absolutely gorgeous jersey, which I'm pretty sure I was shitting on when it came out, but... Sounds about right. You know because the memories, memories now. The memories, yeah. The memories make it worth it. Why would you? So, thinking ahead. of new kits that go hard, have, we talked. To, we texted about this earlier
3: in the week, but the Arsenal like Jamaica tribute warm up kit. Man, yeah. it goes our stupid.
2: Kit, our kit designers are just they're they're always top man.
3: They're cracked, yeah, no doubt. I think the '90s fashion coming back was the best
0: thing that could have happened to Arsenal. Yeah, yeah. At least, like, jersey. And, and then being partnered with Adidas. Adidas just don't miss, man. Don't. Nike needs to be fired into the sun. And Puma mm-hmm. needs to be fired into the sun as well. Adidas should just make everyone's jerseys.
2: <laughs> Luckily, when we had Puma, they weren't quite as bad. But, yeah, since yeah. we've switched to Adidas literally every year, it's like we've got at least one banger.
3: I think the last good Puma jerseys, I think it was the year that Arsenal and Leicester both switched over. It was that one that had, like, the dots – that like slowly faded. Do you know what? No, I don't even. I which don't which
0: club are you talking about? I, th- this was like their, like,
3: um, what's it called? Like, who are they? Template. Which club? Oh, 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 oh. Got it. Where it Sorry. had like <laughs> the the dots that like slowly like faded away to smaller dots on like the shoulder and was like a stripe going down. I'm trying to see if I can find this Leicester jersey. It might oh, be a mess. If Leicester had
0: one, I think I remember. Are the dots white
3: on the Leicester one? They, it depended on the one. Like, our home jersey, it was gold.
0: It's the okay, jersey I, I have
3: Okazaki that. on.
0: I don't really Oh,
1: know, yeah. Be honest. I, I do know what you're talking about.
3: Yeah, okay. I like those. And then I think that was their, like, tipping
0: point. We used to have – I have one of the uh, Under Armour jerseys on the wall from when we still had them. But I think as far as I know, they quit making soccer kits. I
1: think so. Do they
0: still make them for Oz and Kamar? and why would i know that yeah man i (laughs) don't know (laughs) they southampton kept them for a long time but i think they're macron now
1: they are Uh, hummel
0: oh they are hummel yeah okay yeah because i remember southampton was the last club for a long time that had under armor but our under armor kits are nice i liked them but then we signed a huge deal with nike and nike can get into the bin so uh all right i think That is probably enough rabble rousing from us, gentlemen. I think it's well enough time to end the show. If anyone's even made it this far, we really appreciate it. Uh, Just listening to us reminisce about music and uh, uh, chat some shit about kits as well. So we hope you've enjoyed. Uh, You'll get another look at the animation as well. If you stick around, it'll be in the outro. So please let us know what you think about that. Uh, If there's any changes you think we should make, I can maybe do it. (laughs) I'm still learning my skills with that as well. So I want to say thank you to the fellows for joining us. I'll start with Ethan again, because I did at the beginning. Thanks for coming on, Ethan.
1: Yeah, of course. It was a great episode.
0: Josh, thanks to you as well. Thanks for having me. I always enjoy it. And uh, Reese as well, just like Ethan, first day of class, just came straight from there and uh, came straight on the show. So thanks for that.
2: Yep, of course. I was looking forward to it all day. I was ready.
0: Yeah, so was I. I was uh, trying to get out of class so I could start doing prep. And uh, yeah, and of course, want to say thanks to producer Chris and manifest and magpie J as well for their uh, continued support of the podcast. We hope you're all uh, enjoying the premier league. We hope you stay safe and stay healthy. We love you all. And it's a goodbye from us.